ain't a podcast that's flyer You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in Let's roll the dice, let me show you what we doing A fantasy war game, play it smart and you win What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution Hero, hero, giants and knights galore It's an adventure, this is Kings of War Let's go Hello champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I'm your host Benson and joining me today as always is Hugh. G'day. As we have a chat to a couple of special guests, Rob and Kyle from Mantic. So pull up a seat, grab a drink and let's get into it. Alright Hugh, no Selick for the moment, but he did jump on for an interview when we spoke to Rob, so you'll hear his voice if you listen to the episode later on. Yeah, so you spoke to Rob, you guys spoke about uh, the upcoming campaign that's going on, I gather? Yep, so that's coming up in a few weeks, so we just had Rob give us the lowdown of the decisions that they've made and what we can look forward to. But not just one interview, because we're giving you two for the price of one, two for the low, low price of nothing. Double whammy. <laughs> we, we also spoke to Kyle, our, our favorite American mantic aficionado, to talk through the new Clash of Kings book, mm-hmm. and also some, some juicy chat about uh, the new Halflings beta list as well. Mm, which would have been released by now. Yeah, so for all you lads that have been reading up on Halflings, you can sort of hear some of Kyle's thoughts on that, but then also uh, get some yeah, some very juicy tidbits about all the awesome things that we've got to look forward to in Clash of Kings uh, later on this year. Mm. So what we'll do is we'll cut to a break, and when we come back, we'll have Selick introduce us, and we'll have a chat to Rob. See you there. And we're back, and joining us for a bit of a chat it is Mantic's social media master, Rob. Welcome, Rob. How are you going? <laughs> Hello. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. It's exciting. my first time on this. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I know we've uh, communicated over email before, but yeah, just put it out. First time hearing you on, this, on the cast. Yeah, hopefully I live up to people's expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are we here for? We are here to discuss the new Helpies Rift. Well, it's not really new. It's actually been out for a little while, but... Uh, it's the Helpies Rift campaign that's going to be kicking off in August. The little bit of a, a backstory, I guess, there, or two bits of backstory, is we were going to do this uh, last year, and obviously COVID mm. Rob sort of interrupted us a little bit. Yeah, that's right. So we, we so obviously the last like big like global campaign we did was uh, Edge of the Abyss. Feels like an age away. Crikey, that was 20, 20, yeah, 2017, I think that was. So a really long time ago. Um, and we've always really wanted to do one a year, or at least one every other mm. year. Um, so we we've got this all planned in for last year. You know, when we're doing the release schedule at the beginning of the year, and then yeah, like you say, it was kind of you know the kibosh was was put on it by COVID. But we still really liked the idea of the Halpies Rift, and we thought, well, this still gives it gives people an excuse to sort of. I mean, basically, all these campaigns, you've got to find something that's a big excuse for everyone to have a fight, right? Mm. So. Mm. Uh, we thought, well, this is still quite a good reason. It fits into our ideas for what will, how the kind of background will progress in the future. So we still really wanted to do it. So that's why we thought, well, you know, 
people haven't had a chance to play, this will be a good chance for to encourage people. Maybe it might be the first time they get together and have a few games. So uh, yeah, we thought we'd still go ahead and, and do it this year. So before we go into the the details, I guess of it, I thought that it might be a good idea for me to try my luck at giving a bit of a backstory on the campaign to date. So we'll see how we go. Uh, Rob, I'll get you to sort of fill in the gaps at the end as well if I've missed anything massively. All right. Oh, I'll just make things up and say that the goblins are the best. And, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what they're going to win. But yeah, go, go ahead. You'll do a better job than me. All righty, we'll see how we go. During the last campaign, the Edge of the Abyss, the Abyssal Dwarves led by Dravak Dolkin, managed to boot the Free Dwarves out of the Helpy Mountains and have subsequently spent all of COVID lockdown digging around in search of a rumoured power source. Amongst all the slave digging, Dravak manages to find a maze of tunnels uh, under the mountains with its own internal raging war between the Ratkin and the Goblins. Being Abyssal Dwarves, Dravak sends endless waves of Ratkin slaves to die, but ultimately pushes the war out of the way so that he can keep digging. There's one thing that we know about Dravak, this guy does love to dig. Anyway, while digging through all this dirt and weird green ore, he finds a bright light that is the power source, the Nexus. This must have been a pretty scary sight as all of his Ratkin slaves there run away and Dravak bravely orders some abyssal dwarves to do the last little bit of digging while he retreats once again to a, a Such nice courage. safe position. Such a brave dwarf. These dwarves crack the nexus of pure energy which explodes into a giant beam of light. This goes up through the mountain above creating a spaghetti bolognese of erupting volcanoes, avalanches, landslides and importantly many many grumpy awoken dragons. In addition <laughs> to all of these scary things it fractures the fabric of time and space into different planes. Mm -hmm. With a torchlight beacon now literally a Batman signal for ultimate power every man and his croco dog make their way towards the Helpy Mountains being glitched around in between these different planes of existence. It's on these different planes where they will ultimately battle for the power or defense of the Nexus. How did I go, Rob? Well done. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. You, you did a better job than I did. Yeah, that's you got it. No no problems there. Exactly right. From there, where do we go? So, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, like you're saying, the obviously the kind of Nexus itself, this big beam of light, I like the idea of being a Batman. Like, <laughs> uh, kind of all the sort of magic users detect that and that they're the kind of first to really sense it i think that's kind of told a little bit in the books uh, in the, some of the short stories when they're like oh there's something going on here um so now you've got people who want to kind of cap it stop it because the nexus itself is kind of dravax actually tapped into the, the sort of magical ley lines that run under panathor he's tapped into those uh and some people yeah like i say they want to stop it and kind of make sure that no one gets control of it. But then all the baddies, they're like, oh, this sounds great. You know, we, we could do with a bit of this magic. So they all kind of descend on there to, to try and get control of it. Mm. Uh, and then alongside this, you've got this kind of mini war between the Ratkin and the Goblins. You probably don't even know about the Nexus. They're just too busy fighting among themselves to, to kind of uh, get, get control of the tunnels. So th that Nexus itself mm. provides a reason really for everyone to go because you'll get the good sides who kind of begrudgingly sort of ally, you know, to try and stop it. Whereas the bad guys more, more, more looking out for themselves, I guess, to actually get control of it. So, uh, yeah. And then depending upon what happens in the campaign, whether it's certain factions win or whatever, we'll, 
that will dictate what happens in the future with the rift and, and what becomes of it. Mm. I'm really, really interested in uh, the storylines and uh, I really love the way that Mantic is embracing with the community around, hey, send us your results and we're going to build a story from that. And I'm really interested, I guess, from your side, from behind the, the lens of social media, etc. Is the story preset? So it's more of a choose your own adventure. The book's already written, but you're just going to choose it depending upon the results. Or is it literally we're opening up a fresh book and we're going to start writing mm. it depending upon the outcomes? Yes. Yeah, so actually, that's, that's a good question. It, it is really, we, we sort of have an idea of, of where the story can go, but these campaigns will affect certain elements of that story. Uh, so if good or evil win certain locations, then it might mean that, um, I guess the Free Dwarfs are an interesting example is uh, Rob Fanouf from mm. Countercharge was really annoyed because he was like, well, you know, the, the, the good guys actually won that location, yet the Free Dwarf still got kicked out. And I was like, well, you should have seen what would have happened to him if they hadn't got right. kicked out. Uh, if they hadn't, if, you know, they hadn't <laughs> won. Um, but that then obviously, that also split into the Free Dwarf list for uh, uh, in Uncharted Empires. So we had like a theme list. It was all based around mm. the Free Dwarfs. So actually, we, we sort of do have an idea of what will happen if good or evil win, but generally it can be influenced by by the campaign and, and how people get on. So, you know, if, well, we'll have to see, but if the goblins win more victories than the Ratkin, it's likely the Ratkin will be pushed out. And then we kind of go, okay, well, what will happen to the Ratkin now? Well, they probably will go west, which is probably going to cause problems for the Forest of Galahir. Or it might they might even go into like the Hegemia mm. Basileia and stuff like that. So, uh, so the the general sort of storyline is predetermined, but then within that we have these sort of uh, mini sort of stories or side stories that are affected by uh, by the campaigns and also things like characters as well. Mm. We we watch see how how well characters are received. Um, you know, which ones do people like? So uh, Bannock and Kragoth. Mm-hmm. They were two that people really seemed to take a lot of affection to. So we we brought those back in Halpy's Rift because we thought, oh, we'd like to see what happens to those. Um, Jarvis as well is an interesting one. I think Jarvis for the Undead was... Mm. Um, I, st- I, I still really want to see the whole point for Jarvis where he'd have a proper story arc, which would be, you know, he starts off good, goes a little bit bad, and then ends up being super evil. So we'll have to see what happens to Jarvis. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, uh, th- there is a lot of... Th- you know, it is genuinely, it does genuinely get affected by what, what people do and, and the results of the campaign. So you can influence what goes on. Interesting. Sounds good. Gets, it's getting me excited already. So are those storylines going to evolve during the campaign? So the campaign itself is around four days, I think, the 27th to the 30th of August this year. Um, is that going to yeah, happen yeah. during the event or is it going to be after the event, you'll have to piece it all together and then make the story? Yeah, so af- afterwards we'll be basically what um, we're collecting various data during the course of the campaign, and we will then kind of analyze all that. We'll have like a kind of a very quick kind of analysis at the end of it. You know, the week after we'll say, "Oh, great news! You know, X won this, and uh, this will you know this will determine that." But then we kind of actually go away and look in a bit of a closer detail and go, "Okay, well, undead won." Um, you know, the most games on the material plane, you know, what will that mean? Will that mean anything? Um, Abyssal Dwarfs won more than the Free Dwarfs or more than the Dwarfs. So that might dictate us as well. So uh, there won't be 
I guess people won't see any immediate effects, but I guess when you come around to any books that we do next year or any campaigns that we might do next year, then you'll start to see effects and, and maybe characters you know, might even die or they might get more powerful. We'll have to see what happens. Hmm. Mm, I love a good death. That's excellent. <laughs> as long as Grup okay. stays alive, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, Benson loves his Grup. <laughs> She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I grew up in... And Twitch, Keenier. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I really like Twitch particularly. I think I, I really want to see what happens to him and his and his pet rat scum. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but grew up as well. This whole idea that she she has no idea that actually she's got these kind of gauntlets that could potentially be really powerful and control the Nexus. Um, mm. And I sort of like the idea that some of the main players don't even know their main players. You know, they're just like. They're just going about their business, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm I'm kind of stuck in the middle of this this big war." So, mm. um, yeah. Uh, but deaths is an interesting one. We, we haven't done any particularly yet. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? We'll have to see what happens. Mm, a bit of drama unfolding. So, with all the battle stats, is it going to be something that you're going to put up on the Mantic blog, like who's winning, who's on top, so that we know whether to play more games with a certain army, or is it just going to be once again just at the end? you'll collect all the data. No, so we, we've, we're we actually in the process now at the minute. Uh, Kieran Morris, who we work with, he actually did the maps for uh, Kings of War 3rd Edition. So all those, you know, it's really spectacular maps were all done by Kieran. Um, he, um, a, a few years ago when we had Edge of the Abyss and there was, there was that unfortunate slight delay in, in the Beast of War website launching, Kieran uh, actually did a website in like a weekend and people could upload their results so we could get started when we wanted to. Mm. Um, so actually, Kieran has been working on a on a brand new. It's our own campaign website that we can use for Kings of War. Um, so it will be it will be connected to the Mantic website, but it'll be a separate kind of like campaign website. And on there, people will be able to submit their results, and then you'll be able to see, you know, who is in control of each plane, and it'll tell you by faction, uh, and then who's got overall camp, uh, control as well. So the idea is, is we wanted to build. Because in some ways, the hardest bit for all these campaigns is sometimes having that place to upload all the results and, and mm. a place for people to get involved. So he's he's built sort of like a generic campaign website, which we can hopefully use in the future. So potentially we could be having one of, you know, one of these every year. Now we've got the site, which would be really exciting. I think that'd be great. Mm. No, it's very exciting. Mm. So with the, the plans that you've sort of mentioned and you can sort of see who's on what, is there going to be like a limit of how many people can play on the one plane? No, no, we 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 won't do that. We we're going to limit it. So then, uh, you know, the idea for that one is if you if you see that one, you know, good might be winning one plane, you can uh, rally all your friends and get together and uh, make sure that they can kind of come together and, and try and win. So there's no there's no limit on on how many people can play on a plane. It just makes it easier. We don't want to. St- I think we just the whole thing is make it as easy as possible for people to play. So I think as soon as you start putting in limits and things, people might go, oh, "Ah, yeah, definitely yeah. a romantic mantra there, isn't it?" Yep. Yeah. And as for the games themselves, are there certain limits that we need to play or is it just you get to choose whatever you like and choose a plane and away you go? Yes. So again, like I said about it being as easy to play as possible and as accessible as possible, we're not saying you have to play like 2,000 points or anything Mm. like that. You can actually play a 1,000 point game or 5,000 point game if you want. Um, What what we are asking, we will ask people to input the amount of points they're putting in. Mm -hmm. Not, Not because it's weighted, but just because I think we're interested to see, because these these campaigns are a good opportunity for us to get a lot of data in terms of what's happening with the game. So, yeah. you know, what factions are popular, 
uh, what scenarios are popular, that sort of thing. So um, we will ask people to play, you know, to input how many points they're playing. So whether it's 2,000, 2,300, whatever. And then we can sort of see, OK, well, this is sort of like the standard size um, and, and that might affect points in the future, all that kind of stuff. So no, there's, there's no limit on points. You can just get going with whatever you've got, really. So I have to ask, you're a massive advocate for the goblins. I, I mean, I, I try and... I try and keep it a secret, but I mean, somehow people always know, I don't know. Mm, that's weird. I, I have no idea how anyone would know. <laughs> have you lined up a game? Uh, is it against Ronnie? Are you allowed to play? Like, are you allowed to play? Yeah. These are all good well, questions here. Yeah, I mean, only if I win, then I'm allowed to play. Uh, yeah, I, I'm hopefully, me and Ronnie have talked about having the revenge match from the big live stream last oh, year. Yep. Yep. So obviously Ronnie, Ronnie had this idea of, you know, we'd have this huge, like, because it was sort of when last year, when lockdown was just coming, the first lockdown, oh, they were the days, lockdown one, mm. um, that was coming towards an end. And Ronnie wanted to do this big game. Um, so we were like, okay, fine. So we both agreed that we'd have, I think, 9,000 points per side. So it was me with my goblins and Martin with his Night Stalkers and then Ronnie with his dwarfs and Duncan with his Northern Alliance. So bear in mind, it's 9,000 points per side. Ronnie turned up with nine thousand points just of dwarfs, <laughs> uh, and then was like, then was like confused about why he couldn't move anything. Um, <laughs> so uh, Martin and Duncan had a really great battle on their side, you know, because they could actually move around and fight. But me, me and Ronnie, sort because of, he purposely put me on the side with all the trees as well. Uh -huh. So I spent most of my time just really slowly getting through the trees. Uh, and then at round three, he said he had to go because he had a barbecue. Yeah, sounds like a dwarf player. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've challenged him sort of to a to a rematch for that one because even though you know Team Evil won that day, he's also managed to convince himself that the dwarfs won, which is <laughs> a, an in, an incredible rewriting of history, really. Mm. Um, so uh, he he he's saying that because the dwarfs didn't actually get killed that much, that actually they just would have gone back to their holds. And just kind of recuperated and then and then come out for another round so uh yeah we'll be playing that one um hopefully which will you know we'll see how that one goes and then hopefully i think on the on the weekend itself because we've um you may or may not have seen but we've recently done out kind of mantic the mantic mm. gaming hall to make it a bit more kind of a cool place to play so i think i'll be going down there over that course of that weekend uh and playing a couple of games if people are around and we'll be have, we'll be inviting people to come down as well to Manticon. nice but uh yeah for the uk listeners there yeah definitely for the 27th all the way through to the 30th yep get over to the mantic hq and uh have a game yeah yeah so yeah yeah we will be there hopefully some of us you know we might not be there all the time but we'll definitely try and pop in and, and have a game as well yeah oh, beautiful so I have to ask, just as a bit of a, a precursor or a blanket over all of this, is there any other cool or interesting stuff about the campaign that you would like to sort of share, even if it's a little bit cheeky? Obviously, Ronnie doesn't have to give all of the the green lights for all of this information, but I'm pretty sure you can sneak over to us. Goblins count twice as much uh, in terms of results as any other army. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard anyway. Yeah. In the back end, I've uh, I've tailored it so that all those because uh, I have to input the results actually, so I could just go, oh well, this was obviously a win for the goblins. <laughs> um, so no, I, th I think I, mean, I think what we what we really really wanted was just something to to galvanise the community after such a such a difficult year when we haven't been able to go to tournaments. Mm. There hasn't been much face to face gaming, so that's why when we were planning, we thought, well, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully by late August we should be able to get back together and start playing. 
So it was just something, for, we just wanted something for people to look forward to, really. So mm. they could kind of get, get together and go, okay, well, I might not be able to make a tournament, but I can have my mate over this weekend and we can, and we can at least play a couple of games uh, and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that, that's one thing about it. And I think as well, it will uh, potentially tee up um, what's going to happen with a new thing that's coming later in the year as well, which we sort of teased on the, on that gaming day, like a um, a new uh, theme army that's coming, mm-hmm. which was just that black, mm-hmm. which was just that silhouette on the uh, on the kind of schedule of what's coming up. Um, the the halflings will just be out as well, so we'll have to see what happens with them. I I, I don't think the because obviously the, the army list will be out then, but it's like the beta list or the mama beta list as it's calling it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be out. So I don't think they'll have much to play in this campaign, but obviously we'll have to see what happens in the future for them. But uh, the, the, I mean, the halflings themselves, are, the kind of excitement we're getting for those is fantastic. I can't wait for actually people to get them and, and start playing with them. Yeah, we're going to line up a bit of a chat with Kyle um, to see if we can get some, lure some more information out of him <laughs> uh, about the halflings. So yeah, that's going to be very exciting. And this new mystery army that you speak about mm. is also very intriguing. I'm going to have very. to go back and have another look at that silhouette. Yeah, that is, yep. I mean, that is top secret, super top secret. We're doing very well on, on keeping the lid on that one. But um, mm. the, um, so the, the RC was sort of working on that along around the time they were doing the halflings as well. And I think Kyle says he's actually more excited about this new one than he is about the halflings. So we'll have to see what that is. He's a very excitable fellow. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean, I mean, he's really. It's interesting actually because you know he was saying like the halflings, for example. It's you know he plays or bad. You know he plays like Twilight Kin normally, who are the, one of the most evil ones, and yeah. he never thought he'd be excited about the halflings. But um, what he's seen is that the way they play um, and the options they've sort of got has has got him really excited. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know, next year, kind of what the halflings do and, and how that changes up the meta, actually. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah, I've actually seen the the image that you put up. I think it was on Twitter and uh, a couple of other online forums today. Yeah, that was the army set, yeah. Mm. Yeah, army set. It's absolutely fantastic. There's been some rave reviews already um, about some of the sprues, I think, from some of your internal workers about how, how good that they are. Um, and then, obviously, everyone else just commenting about the quality of painting that you guys have gone into this time yeah i mean you know the halflings themselves the miniatures are, are really really fantastic because you've got things like the because a lot of people the, the lawnmower of death as it's kind of been called <laughs> being pushed that's actually a new that's a forest troll so that's a new type of troll um the, the idea actually for the forest troll came from uh i was just doing some really crazy ideas for vanguard warbands and i had the suggestion that we could do a an orkling warband uh, and mm. they would sort of the only kind of big guys that they could trick into helping them with the forest trolls because they are <laughs> the most stupid of all the trolls. Um, so although they didn't end up in the Orkling warband, they sort of actually we thought, well, actually, the, the, the halflings would use beasts of burden. And you know, they're not just obviously limited to oxes or horses <laughs> in Panathor. So why wouldn't you use like a great big troll who you can just coerce into doing whatever you want? So. Of course. I think that was really interesting. Mm. And, and I think it just pushes them into a slightly different direction as well. So it's not just big fairy feet and fat tummies eating pies all the time. Mm. Mm. So I'm going to be pretty honest now as well, Rob. Um, I'm a little bit critical of some of your early models about some of the dimensions. 
that have yep. gone through. But I must say that uh, the forest troll, as we're calling it now, um, yep. looks absolutely perfect. The chef kiss, as uh, you would say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really, really kudos to that model. I know it's drawn a lot of attention online already. You're right about the proportions. You know, I think we, you know, you've got the ogres and the old trolls who, who definitely skipped leg day. Yes. Um, they have very thin legs. And I think one thing that's in particular that's really helped us is a lot of the a lot of the sculpting, certainly for Kings of War now, is done by Luigi, who's our kind of, although he's not in-house, he's based in Italy, but he's kind of our main sculptor now. So that really helps because it, it means that he knows what, what's consistent with everything else. So... And also it helps with it being digital as well. So now it's all digital. Whereas in the old days for things like the, I think the ogres and the trolls, they were all like traditionally sculpted. Mm. So using green stuff and all that kind of thing. So, and also you've got different people doing one set of miniatures compared to someone else. So mm. I think now we're in a much better place where we can sort of, I mean, well, if you look at the ogres that we did last year, which was like the boomer and mm. the boomer yeah. sergeant and the matriarch, fantastic models see also. That they, yeah i mean I, I really like those ones actually and and i yeah. think you know, if if we were to do more ogres they're, they're the sort of proportions you would see rather than it's going to be like slightly knock knees uh versions but you know they, they have their fans as well but I, I agree that i think some of the older ones uh lacked a little bit of consistency i mm. guess oh, i think it's all personal taste as well so it's just Obviously, something that I like, um, but I know that there's definitely a lot of fans. And if we still had Spoon on our cast, <laughs> he loves the vintage stuff. Yeah, it's a bit like the elves, actually. The elves are a real Marmite uh, one. You know, mm. some people really, really like those old elves, and obviously, some people absolutely despise them. Mm. So it's interesting, actually. You know, I think there's only a, there's only a few kits where everyone agrees that they're amazing, like the goblins. Obviously. The goblins. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's like I say, it's all personal taste. We can't. We can't count. We can't please everyone all the time. Uh, I definitely love the uh, the goblin kit. Uh, I reckon they're the best goblin kit that you can buy on a sprue. Agreed. Um, on the market at the moment. Yeah, I just wish I could uh, grab more of the heroes because they all it's it's all fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I obviously you know I love that goblin sprue, but I mean I I, I kind of worked with Dave, who's like uh, who's in our studio, and we would. He would often come to me and go, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? And and what I really like is that whole idea that it was based a little bit on the fluff from third edition, which is whole, this whole idea that they go around stealing things all the time. Mm -hmm. So you've got elf, you've got elven helmets, basilei and shields, because they just literally scavenge whatever they can get. So uh, I, I like the fact that the fluff inspired the models for those ones. So that's really cool. But uh, yeah, after, after painting several hundred of them, uh, I <laughs> concur that they are probably the best goblins out there. <laughs> Takes great right. commitment to do that. Yeah, yeah. I I often would, you know, wonder after painting because obviously I paint. I had a goblin army anyway with the old goblins, the old plastic yeah. goblins, which were a, a, a mixed bag, putting it politely. Yeah. Um. But you know, I'd, I'd obviously painted several hundred of those, and I scrapped that army. I literally put it away in the in the garage somewhere and started from scratch with all the new goblins. Madman. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I did often think that when I'm there on my, you know, goblin number 150, <laughs> yeah. but um, I'm so glad I did now because, you know, I, it, it looks, the difference in the goblins is, is fantastic. Yeah, I'm sort of like in the same boat. I've got my old G-Dub goblin army and I just feel like starting again with semantic ones. Yeah, and I also, I regretted my commitment to doing full model count as well. 
Uh, so a horde has 40 goblins on. So yeah. we've got three hordes. That's already 120. Yep. Uh, and that's yeah, only like a, a fifth of your army as well. Well, it's like, what is it, 125 points? Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I played, a, played a game this week, actually. Me and Martin played in the office um, because he's getting ready to... He's going to be at uh, Clash of Kings just as a spare player, potentially. So he's thinking of taking his Ratkin. But yeah, we, we played my goblins. So we played 2,300 points. And I just kept... Coming out of the office with more and more stuff, and Martin's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is two thousand three hundred points for goblins." Uh, and yeah, I had all three hordes, you know, two mincer mobs, two mm-hmm. wingets, all sorts. Yeah, but yeah, like you say, it's it's that realization of I've done one hundred and twenty goblins, and this is you know three hundred and seventy five points or something. Yeah, stupid. just a slice. <laughs> oh, to be a dwarf player, then that would be that would be my entire army almost. Ugh, I couldn't stand it anyway. <laughs> All right, so we might leave it there. I know that you've probably got to get back to to work, but I guess for all the listeners out there, from the 27th through to the 30th, uh, get on board with the Halpies Rift campaign. Uh, It's going to be absolutely fantastic to be able to influence the the future of Panathor and obviously the story and all these other things and actually be a part. And every time that you're submitting those results, it's going to be changing something or being able to impact it. And I think that's something that you can look back on your time very fondly. Um, I think... You've sort of mentioned a very good point there, Rob, that after a COVID-affected couple of years, um, I think you were in lockdown two or three over there. We're up to five over here. But mm-hmm. this is a really, really good time to just connect with some friends and have a game. Even if it's a low point size, it's it's not really going to matter. Um, it doesn't matter what plane you're on. You can sort of pick one that sort of fits whatever works between both of your armies and really use it as a time to connect and share something with somebody else um, as well as impacting a global campaign, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And oh, I, I was going to say, actually, sorry, sorry not to interrupt, but I was going to say, even if you can't make it for that weekend, although that's officially that weekend, you know, if, if you want to play in August, anytime through August, you know, play a game, make a note of the results and then just input it that weekend just to make sure you don't feel like you're missing out. You know, we, we, we did it over a weekend because we thought, well, it might be easier to, to get the community together. But um, yeah, if, if you want to play a game you know, anytime in August, really, just get together and, and like I say, meet up with some mates and, and have a game of Kings of War and roll some dice. All right. Well, thanks once again, Rob. Um, Thank you very You're much. welcome back anytime. I think we were saying off air that uh, you're a hell of a lot more tech savvy than Ronnie. <laughs> and by the sounds of it, you haven't got in a car. <laughs> no, I haven't been wash- like washing up the pots or anything like that while talking <laughs> no. to you. Um, <laughs> no, my, my phone hasn't gone off uh, while we've been on the call. So it, it must be quite an unusual one to speak to someone from Mantic who hasn't got all this stuff going on in the background. No, it's, it's refreshing. Very, very true. <laughs> All right. Thanks once again, Rob. I'll let you get back to it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. All right, welcome back, everybody, and we're here talking at the moment with Kyle, our fabulous human, all the way from Kings of War, Mantic HQ. How you going, Kyle? Doing really well. It is bright and early because you guys are in winter, and I'm in summer, and it's night, and it's morning here, and it's all very confusing, but <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to roll. Well, topsy-turvy. <laughs> thanks very much for waking up so early to come on to have a chat with us. Uh, it's about just after 9 o'clock Australian time at the time of recording right now, so 9 p.m. that is, so pretty different to you, I'm sure. Yeah, 7 a.m., so I had to get up just a little earlier wow. than you know Ooh. usual, but it's all good. 
That's commitment. Thanks for uh, <laughs> for putting in the, the work. Yeah, really appreciate it. I am getting ready to take a vacation, so I'm, I'm totally good. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to asking you about all kinds of awesome things related to um, Clash of Kings 2022 and uh, some various other questions, whatever we can cook up for you. I hope you're keen to give us some goss. I am prepared. We are ready to go because I, there's a lot of excitement around this book, I think, probably more so than there has been uh, even in the past. I mean, the uh, Clash of Kings book has been sort of a highlight for Kings of War year in and year out. You you do the big releases mm-hmm. with the new versions and then those update books. They, they're really the things that get people excited because they want to know what goodies they're going to get. Mm. Completely agree. It just refreshes the whole game, like regardless of whether it's your army that gets some cool new tricks or other armies, usually a bit of both. It just really gives you a, a feeling like you can go play your mates as you were before, but everything will feel a little bit fresh, a little bit different. Try some new units. Got to love it. Sure. I, I know that uh, we've got a play tester in this in this group, but uh, he's gonna he's gonna remain mum from what I understand. So, <laughs> yes, he he's been teasing, but he hasn't said anything. So, yeah. <laughs> that's it. The that's jerk. It. It's, it's hard to get anything out of him. He's, he's very good at <laughs> sticking to sticking to the rules. That's it good. Were. That's very good to hear. Actually, <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> And I think also there's more excitement for this release because we didn't really get one last year. It was just the um, Help is Rift, which had a few updates in it, but not like what we're uh, expecting. Sure. You, you know, I, I think with third edition, everything sort of got moved to a new starting point. Mm-hmm. It gets a little bloated with the Clash of Kings books because mm. for the most part, the, the changes carry forward. You know, if you change something in in 18, you've got to change it in 19 unless you do a new edition. Mm -hmm. So that can lead to a little bit of bloat that happens. And the new edition is a good time to sort of strip it down and make sure the core game is is rebalanced. Well, that's all gone and passed. But now it's time to inject uh, quite a bit of flavor and fun. And and we laid the foundation. uh, If you heard on Countercharge, I talk about it, where you lay a foundation with new things such as keywords and you know spell casting tiers and all that kind of stuff where you can see how this can be built out uh, but it's not really there yet so this book is is the first really big you know Halpy's Rift was his first small step this is the giant leap for Kings of War kind so to speak yeah fair enough <laughs> no I'm really looking forward to talking about Clash of Kings but I suppose um, we've got to eat oh it seems like our broccoli I guess to talk <laughs> to talk through this first uh, little topic we've got prior to Clash of Kings but for some people it's going to be super duper exciting and frankly looking at the models I'm pretty keen and that's the new Halflings army so at the time of recording it will have very recently been released or rather at the time of release by the time our listeners are listening to this they will have yep. uh, hopefully come across the halflings um, PDF that's being released online. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you guys haven't checked that out yet, then make sure you you go check it out. But we've seen some pictures, we've seen some models teased, which are looking really awesome. Um, and hoped you could spend a couple of minutes just talking to halflings about us, talking about halflings to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's no problem at all. So the halfling list is going to be a you know, essentially a beta list that is available and it's going to be posted to the public on the 4th of August, which in my timeline is tomorrow. Uh, yours is probably later tonight. It, it, it's a list that we intend for people to be able to get a really good idea of what the models are going to do on the tabletop. That way it's influencing your purchase decisions. You know uh, what you're getting out of things. But then with the caveat that basically the final and official list will be available in the Clash of Kings book. So 
players can you know provide some feedback if they if they decide to play some games with them whether that's on universal battle or if there's some you know psycho who can paint them up in a weekend uh <laughs> and actually put them on the table and use them that way then we can we can kind of hear that real feedback and, and make final adjustments before everything goes to print in clash of kings mm-hmm. gotta love that approach so you can after clash of kings 2022 you can be playing an army that's already gone through a few adjustments it might not be quite as tweaked as some of the longest standing armies but at the very least you've got a handful of models to muck around with and um You've used you've utilized that player base to playtest them a bit and spruce them up to the point where hopefully they're uh, you know on par with the majority of other armies. Should be really good. Yeah, I, I really think that you know on the whole, it, very little will change between what that beta list is and what's in Clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're in a really good place, but at the same time, you know you 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 never know what could come up. And and having that safety net behind there to say, oh, well, let's change this at last minute and is, is a good thing to have. All right. Well, I'll kick us off with a question about the halflings. I'm staring at a picture of the models right now, which uh, helps get me in the mood. Uh, do, <laughs> sure. you, do you see this uh, army as being a faster army or more of a slow slogging infantry based army with short legs? No, they're definitely a slower, slower army. Um, not to say that there isn't, you know, the, the traditional cavalry options. Like, obviously, you can see that. The sprue, we've talked about it before, it comes with, with 10 and 5, so it's going to have 10 infantry and then 5 cavalry on it. So mm. the army has to be designed in a way that the infantry and cavalry mix together. So the way that they play is very complementary for having both of them in the list. So your basic infantry is, is very similar to you know goblin infantry. Uh, speed 5 is what we're looking at, where cavalry is very you know traditional for cavalry speeds at speed 8. I think that the way that things are pointed, though, that you're going to have a good mix of infantry and cavalry in the list, and that that can kind of deter you from having an all speed. Like if you just build all cavalry, uh, you may not have the most effective list. People could do it, but it really is geared to be played with infantry and cavalry together. Right. So does that mean that the halflings move their legs faster than dwarves, which is speed four? Yeah, I'd say they do. Maybe they're slightly <laughs> taller. Yeah. less beard to get in the way makes sense the the sort of swiss army knife combination style army i, I like the look of that and as you say i, I hadn't realized the sprue was like that but looking at this picture yeah. of the box you can see uh three blocks of 20 infantry and three blocks of 10 cavalry or one of them yeah. split into two fives but yeah mm-hmm. as you say that sort of um one is to two ratio there plenty of uh halflings on doggos as well which is cool mm. Um, how have you made the halflings feel different to other armies? Like, I'm sure there's going to be a direct comparison to goblins just because they have that similar baseline for the standard infantry. So, yeah, how are sure. you going to make them feel different? You know, when, when you look at certain units, um, goblin rabble, halfling braves, they're going to they're gonna have pretty similar profiles and, and mm. points, defense, everything that we seem to have, where the goblins seem to use their bodies as trash and then load up on a bunch of fancy special tools, things like the wingit and their war engines, uh, bangits, and all kinds of, you know, mm. tools that allow them to be a little bit tricky and goblins are more just die in droves. Uh, halflings are more geared for synergy with their units. So... There's a lot of special rules. The halflings have a a unique special rule called relentless, where you know when they're attacking a unit that has at least some damage on it, you basically get to re-roll some failed damage on top of it. So that's that gears them a little bit more towards combat. Hmm. And when they have certain keywords, things like you know ravenous, 
uh, is one of their keywords. They're you know you hear these names relentless and ravenous and and it's they're 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 pretty nasty little guys. I, I, the way I see them is that they're really motivated by whatever emotions they they've got going on for them. So whether that's hunger uh, and they can get those things run away from them, or if they're very battle focused, they can get uh, a little vicious. You know what I mean? So <laughs> okay, right. all of the living legends, all of their support units. Are designed to work way more synergistically we've we've mentioned the sorcerer quite a bit yep so this is a unique way of taking a spellcaster and applying bonuses and buffs to your infantry and cavalry that have specific keywords like those uh you know ravenous keywords and apply auras to those units so and the auras are all going to be geared towards making them better things like wild charge or brutal life leech that kind of thing mm. so where goblins don't really have that sort of extra extra kick. You know, there's not a whole lot you can do to make rabble better. Yeah. Their, their good stuff is geared towards those tools where halflings, their tools are geared to make their, you know, infantry and units better. Does that make sense? Yep. It sounds very exciting too. Kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, that, I really like that idea of having to combine their different special units and different special rules together to sort of get the most out of the army that seems like a really cool little aspect so hmm. what's your favorite aspect of the halfling army be it a special rule or a unit or something that appeals to to you about them i think the the way that they can combine the units specifically to get uh unique effects is really nice um you know when you have a ton of bodies I, i've never wanted to play a horde army because <laughs> or any army that has lower costs and can do a lot of drops more than your typical you know uh 10 to 15 and 2300 mm. you trip up on yourself when you're moving units around it gets very clunky mm. and the halflings in particular have abilities to get around that clunkiness uh so they're kind of geared you know even though their, their cavalry is not going to hit you as hard as uh, any of the more elite cavalry in the game when you when you can drop multiple units of it for a lower price and then you don't have to worry so much about getting tripped up over your own units uh, with the ability to sort of move out of the way is is a really nice thing. I think a lot of people that especially in playtesting have been really excited about the forest troll gunners. It's a it's a nice combined arms unit that does a little bit of everything. So it provides a good stable platform for being able to control objectives and throw out some shooting mm -hmm. and then come in and punch. They're, you know, kind of similar to ogre boomers in that sense. And so being able to build it with some decent, you know, combined arms and then maneuverability, they do everything really well, but not better than anyone else. Does that make sense? Like they're a really good, if you're familiar with final fantasy, they're like a red mage, right? <laughs> they do a little bit of, you know, everything, but nothing, better than the specialist jack of all trades yeah. yeah 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 that's cool i like that sounds interesting just a side question we see that dogs seem to be like the amount of choice just in the images that we've been given are they related to the large monstrous mounts from the Rodulus, the rls yeah yeah that's actually exactly what they are they are okay cool mm -hmm. this wasn't sure yeah they're, they're they're bred specifically for the halflings in this case Right, so they're like a smaller breed of an Aralus. Mm -hmm. And because there's like ancient winged ones, will there ever be, you know, I don't know, we haven't seen the list, but a unit of flying dogs? Could be. Mm. There's definitely a captain on winged Aralus. So he's he's one of the, he's a hero monster type and, and he's nasty. He's got the full, you know, speed 10, crushing 2, fly, nimble, thunderous ah, yeah. yep. 1, all those fun things. So Good uh, he, he's a good, yeah, he's a good flying 
flying doggo. <laughs> you best lo- boy. <laughs> you love to yeah. say a flying doggo, and there's just not enough <laughs> flying doggos in fantasy. I don't know why. But, you know, they've got every other animal that can fly. There should be more doggos. I'm glad the arrows sure. are finally getting their time in the sun. <laughs> so, um, speaking of heroes, uh, we've got some heroes in these posted images, and uh, Benson has noted that they're some of them look like the same models from the League of Infamy game. Mm. Um, yeah. So these are some really nice models. Uh, Benson and I have played League of Infamy fairly recently and I thought it was awesome. I was an orc with an electric guitar, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, cool game, uh, cool models. These guys seem to be making an appearance in Kings of War now. How do you see them fitting in with Kings of War as opposed to the League of Infamy game? Like, In what way are they sort of different and do they feel shoehorned in or do they fit the theme of the halflings nicely? No, I, I think that they are a key part of how the halflings work. Um, you, you know, and the sorcerer is one that's in there. Uh, the Iron Beast is is a model. It's one of the boss models from that game. That's that's mm. definitely a core part of their their units. We've got, I, I think, is Greedy Guts in League of Infamy? Possibly. Yeah. Yep. The big. Boy. Yeah. The big boy. Yep. Greedy Guts. There's Feastmaster and a Game Hunter as well. That's what happens to a halfling if they just give in to their need to eat just a little too much, you know. So right. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, of conversion that goes over. There's even some other models that are from that game that are getting units in Clash of Kings, uh, you, you know, certain heroes that, that are coming over and, and joining in. Yeah. So yeah. trying to make the connection between all the different universes is pretty important. Um, I know that I had suggested that they take a look at some of the names of the captains from Armada to, to name some of the new characters mm-hmm. for Clash of Kings. So things like that that can help just tie the universe together make it seem like it's a, it's a place that you can enjoy people and characters from all over. Mm. And League is a very character-driven game. You know, all those characters that you're playing, they, they, they've got a lot of flavor to them. So bringing them into Kings of War uh, adds that flavor into Kings of War where maybe, you know, before things were pretty just a generic name and stat line and that's it. Yep. Yeah, and for the hobbyist, I mean, you buy a cool board game like League of Infamy, maybe you buy an expansion pack or something, and then you can use those miniatures in Kings of War, you know, that's a two-for-one deal. That's that's pretty great. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to ask about Halflings specifically, Benson? Which of the new heroes is your favorite? Oh, I hate to keep going back to the um, Sorcerer, but it really is. Like, it's just a cool unit. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, the way that the kind of stuff's spilling out onto the out of the cauldron looks very dynamic. Yeah, there there is a living legend named Ali McSween <laughs> who uh, has, has a pretty cool special rule. Um, Ali is a master thief. And then, so, you know, we see assassin type units, that kind of thing where yep. duelist and, and base crushing, they usually hit pretty well, throwing daggers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enemy units that are within six inches of Ali can't use their magic artifact when they're attacking in combat. Oh, uh-huh. that's spicy. And then if Ali is attacking that enemy unit in combat, she can choose to use that magical artifact held by the unit that she's engaged with. Oh, very spicy. I like it. Yeah. Master Thief, she takes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I love it. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying the Halflings by now or at least enjoying the list and thinking up some some cool things to do with them and all that kind of jazz. Uh, but given that we don't, at the time of recording, know that much more mm. about them, we're probably keen to move on to Clash of Kings 2022 and start hitting Kyle with all those juicy questions along the lines of that. Yep. So if we can move on to that, uh, Kyle, can you give us a release date? By any chance? Well, playtesting is going on right now, but it's in kind of the final stages. 
So we should be wrapping that up by the end of August. And then everything goes to layout and print. And I, we're currently slated for a November release as long as nothing crazy happens with the way that the world's been going. I think that November is a pretty good timeline for it. It's, you know, right in that holiday time slot and it gets people time over the winter or in your case, summer break where uh, things can can be built up and used for the following year. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Right. Give us time to to get all our beta testing in there as well, especially if you're a halfling main from here on out. <laughs> right, yeah. When we interviewed Rob, he mentioned that uh, spells were being tested in Help is Rift. Are we going to expect to see new spells on top of that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Help is Rift lets you get a little crazy with magic. Hmm. It serves as a non-competitive environment to test, you know, what could be fun with magic. Because when, when you do it as a campaign, you get to kind of mask it over as being... Well, this isn't, you know, official competitive rules, but Clash of Kings, it's that serious business and you have to put out mm. something that's balanced and appropriate. Mm-hmm. And that said, you know, you can see certain spells that could be used in a competitive sense, but they might need tweaked a little bit more so that they they do make sense. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of spells from Halpy's Rift that are coming over mm-hmm. in addition to some other new ones that weren't in Halpy's Rift. You know, for example, there's a version of uh, Host Shadow Beast in, in Halpy's Rift, and then it's going to be uh, tweaked so that it can be included in Clash of Kings as well. So right. if you're familiar with it in Halby's Rift, it's it's a little bit crazy. You know, each hit gives two extra attacks yeah. uh, to a hero, and that that could be way over the top. But if we if you balance that appropriately, low dice, not two attacks, that kind of thing, then it, you know it can kind of help give heroes just a little bit of nice extra boost, so that they can be combat heroes, but not turn into hero hammer, mm-hmm. which is pretty clever. Yeah, there's also uh, new ways that can buff spellcasters. So there's uh, things called arcane abilities, and and you can purchase them for a spellcaster that can give them, you know, without giving anything away, they can give them an ability to do some, you know, more powerful versions of spells or boost them up in, in an extra way. Okay. So there's even new fun ways on top of spells that, you know, you could have one caster be kind of your supercaster. Hmm. Cool. And Sounds interesting. Speaking of spellcasters being uh, potentially supercasters or whatever else, will their spellcaster values be used in some way? You probably couldn't reveal or it might not be concluded yet exactly how, but are they going to be more than just a hex, yes or no kind of ability? Yeah, like I said before, the base game has just... It sort of laid the foundation for it, but then we can can expand from there. But this is something that's very similar to Halpy's Rift. So the spellcasting tiers can can be used to purchase spells at different power levels. Okay. So wow. higher spellcasting tiers are going to be more expensive, but more powerful versions of the spell. Yep, that makes sense. All right, finally, we're going to get some use out of the spellcaster in a competitive scene. <laughs> yeah. Clash of King often provides a lot of new artifacts are there any items that you are personally excited for or can talk to us about yeah items are always a big part of it spells are always a big part of it and the unit changes is where people are excited those are the three big things yeah a lot of the new items i think are designed in a way that can give you a strategic advantage this time instead of just more power cool Mm -hmm. we commonly see strength or pathfinder or brewer sharpness yeah uh, that simply just increase combat utility so It'd be cool to bring in some things that actually helped in some other more creative ways. So one I will talk about is, let's see, uh, it's called the Orb of Towering Presence. So in its name alone, it gives a hint to what it does. It's, it's just a, a 10 or 15 point item. Uh-huh. And what it does is it increases the unit's unit strength by one mm. to a max of four. Mm. And it cannot be taken by individuals or units with fly. 
that makes sense. Yep. Yep. So it kind of helps, you know, if you have a single, you know, mounted hero, you can't go score with them at the end of the game. But uh, for, you know, a low point investment, you can basically uh, put a little bit more into into something. Um, if somebody takes that item and then puts all their loot tokens on a certain, you know, scenario like push, <laughs> it's a pretty good indication, you know, that they're just trying to control things with their unit strength. So just tiny things like that. I think that those are really good ways to sort of push the game forward as opposed to just doing more punchy. Yeah, I could see how that could be, Jason. Mm, I think that's a very good direction to go in that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I think of the current items, I'm always like, I don't take things like the scrying gem often enough, I think, and and those other kind of tricksy maneuvers. I very rarely see them, but I think they can actually be really effective. I'd like to see more of them that perhaps are balanced correctly, I suppose, so that people, uh, you know, give them a whirl every now and again. It's not, as you say, just always the brew of strength or the potion of the caterpillar in every Mm. single list. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a bit of variation. Yeah. Um, so in second ed, we saw the eventual addition of formations. Uh, and a lot of people are asking after these. Do you think they'll be introduced as part of this next one or have Mantic moved away from the idea of formations in general? No, we do want to include formations with this. We're, we're limiting this to one formation per faction. Cool. So that, you know, the idea behind it is, is it's a way to get some units that don't necessarily get the attention that they deserve, uh, some mm. extra help. Yep. We, we typically, you know, in many cases, we want the bonuses that are applied in the formation to be a, a fluff-driven thing. So something that uh, lets you understand what the unit is supposed to be from the story standpoint. That, I think, helps move things along. That wasn't maybe the best execution in second edition. Uh, we took a unit like Soul Reaver Infantry that, you know, weren't being taken because the cavalry at the time was the the hotness Mm -hmm. uh but then gave them a formation that all of a sudden made people go oh this unit's amazing so i think that on on the whole the formations are a way to get people to introduce themselves to to the flavor of the army with their special rules and then also the flavor of the units and give you a reason to take a unit that you may not select on its base value we also are changing how they're pointed okay so you know, in second edition, you had to destroy the whole unit to get the formation points. Yep. Yep. But now each unit in the formation has a point value assigned to it. So it's easier to keep track of for attrition and tournaments. Okay, right. That makes sense. And I, I like that approach to formations, it being more about boosting up those those lesser seen units. Because I think as a game mechanic, I suppose, they are a little bit dangerous. Because as you say, if you slightly overturn it, they can have this really homogenous effect where... Like people see a given formation and that's just great in their faction. And so every single time you see that faction, you see that formation. And that's sort of fine for individual units to a degree. But when it's a whole formation, you see like three copies of a unit or whatever it might be, that can be, yeah, that, that can be a negative thing. So it's good. I like to hear that you're applying it more to these kind of less frequently seen units. So it's like a spicy choice rather than something that becomes a staple for every army. Yeah. Mm. On countercharge, you mentioned that you're sort of focusing on giving units buffs instead of nerfing all the good stuff. I'm assuming this means that some of the less frequently seen or the not very competitive lists are going to be given a lift, so we can sort of expect maybe scurriers, because at the moment they're rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the idea behind it was that we, we felt that there were some factions that maybe were doing really well, uh, you know, it's it's not a secret that certain units um, or certain factions are, are sort of performing extremely well. And, and mm-hmm. most common responses to that would be to bring those down. 
But when you've got two or three that are working really well and the rest of them are, it sounds to me more like you need to bring the rest of them up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that's also a way more exciting approach because, you know, if you if you buy a book and you open it up and you're excited to see what's in it day one uh, and you flip straight to your army section, you don't want to see a bunch of, you know, reduce nerve, reduce attacks, like you, it, all these different things. Yeah, it just makes people feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just feels bad. So, yeah, let's let's add some flavor. Let's add some variety and, and bring things up so that people are genuinely excited to see what they've got. We just had a year and a half of very rough period that uh, we we may not be out of yet. So mm. let's let's give some people some things to be excited about. Let's um, get them excited about playing their armies. Any of the updates that were in Halpy's Rift will carry over. Okay. I mentioned earlier that uh, you know things carry forward. So while some of those aren't new. Some of them are nerfs, things like Morgoth speed drain and you know drain life change, but yeah, yep. those aren't new things. So any any new thing, yeah, technically speaking, it's not in this one, so <laughs> you're yeah. safe there. <laughs> any new thing that we're introducing, we're we're trying to keep it as as purely a an advantage. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, certain certain units that if you look at undead or abyssal dwarves, what do you do when you can't bring them down you know if you want to give them some things how do you how do you make them more interesting and so mm. we tried to take a look at uh, either units or build styles that they're not doing at all and encourage people to to be able to take those things as well and we also want to make sure that with certain units that mantic makes models for uh in the case of like the abyssal doors like i said that that traditionally unseen hellfane things like that can get some love mm-hmm. just because if you want to buy a nice gorgeous model it can't have completely useless rules <laughs> so we want to make sure that you know things there's a fine line there right because you know as the company in designing it you don't want to make your stuff you know decidedly better that's that's just a uh, a bad business practice because you're basically saying if you don't buy our stuff you're not going to win the game <laughs> but at the same time they can't they can't be so under the curve that you don't want to take up at all yeah, so, that's right. But make sure that those things are, are relevant. And in some of those instances, you know, those are the units that we try to focus on. Right. So does that mean the whole phone's getting a buff? I mean, maybe. That would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there any that you can talk about? Like, do you have a personal favorite change that's um, that you're looking forward to seeing on the table? I mean, I'm my main armies are Undead, Twilight Kin. I have Nature as well. Twilight Kin is one that... I'm pretty proud of where they've gone so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they were an army that was considered under the curve by quite a bit. Yeah. And lower in that sense. And Mantic is trying to lean into the IP a little bit more. If you notice with Armada, we've got a whole fleet coming out for him, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt my army is a Mantic army. A, a number of the units that are in that list are Mantic units, whether they're Night Stalkers or just, you know, Elf units. So to me, it, it's more of a Mantic army than an Uncharted Empire's army, and that lets me kind of lean into it. So mm. their changes, I think, are really nice. I think that they have some really competitive options now where before it was a pretty straightforward build with them. There are some new units in that list, and then there are some tweaks to things that, that are just really cool. Can you give me an example, or are we pushing our luck? Can't really give away any secrets. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> Can't really what? give away any secrets, but... okay. I think I talked about um, on Countercharge how, like, for example, the Glade Stalkers are getting three different varieties because you've got Elves, you've got Sylvankin, and you've got Twilightkin. Yep. So instead of just having three of the same unit copied over, it'd be really cool if you could somehow differentiate the three, yep. you know, to give them more of a flavor of what uh, of what the army does. So Make them more distinctly with that army. Yeah. To give you an example without actually telling you anything, <laughs> the Twilightkin Glade Stalk- Stalkers are going to have a, an ability called Dream Slayer Venom that basically gives their attacks a certain something 
Okay. I see. Right. That's cool. I like to see that. I like to see a bit of variety between the armies. Such a tease. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let me come at you from a different angle. I'd like to see changes to, although to be quite honest, I'm not sure exactly what changes, (laughs) to I've got this sort of unit type, this unit archetype, which I'd call like a scouty unit. So uh, one example is the Scurriers, which are pretty pretty woeful. It's just like <laughs> taking a 50-point hit when you take them in your army, while as very few units are in that kind of space. But one of my favorites probably would be like Dwarf Rangers or um, mm-hmm. um, I like the Icekin Hunters from yep. uh, from the Northern Alliance. Um, so I really like this kind of unit. I think I find them interesting you know they've got they've often got a scout a literal scout like a move before the game kind of rule they quite frequently have pathfinder or whatever but they're in this sort of space where they tend to have not very many attacks they can be quite high quality but tend to lack much in the way of crushing or piercing quite a few armies have this kind of scouty archetype if you're with me on a given unit you sir are going to be extremely happy Oh, interesting. Because I feel like they, they, for almost across the board, feel just a little bit under the curve because they're paying points for things that other units pay points for. Like they've got this special rule and fair enough, you pay points for it. But it just so happens that they're kind of in this weird space where they're not very fast because they're infantry and, and whatever. And they're in this kind of spot where they're paying a lot of points for all these special rules, but ultimately they get charged by a unit and die in one round anyway. And mm-hmm. and they, they feel like, oh, I got one shot off with my not very effective bows or something. And they just feel a little weak because the combination of rules is such that perhaps their points are a little bit more inflated as compared to the normal algorithm, if that makes sense. Sure. When you slap that many rules on something, it just ends up, you know, adding way more points Mm. and you think that they need to be more expensive, but then in real world practice, it doesn't exactly equate to effectiveness. That's it. Like diminishing Um, returns or whatever. Yeah. 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 So those units are a lot of fun and, you know, Mm. they, they typically are the ones that are bringing a decent amount of ranged threat to the game. Mm hmm. Whether they're they're scouting, like you said, up into terrain to kind of defend early objectives or get a loot token, that kind of thing, they they provide a lot of benefit. But because they do everything, they tend to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of flavor and variety into them because each one does things a little bit differently. But that's just getting pushed a little bit further with the changes that are happening. You know, you know, I, I did mention the Glade Stalkers. That is the elf variant of that type of unit. Yep. Uh, the dwarf rangers are that type of unit, the icekin hunters, the um, hack hunters, that kind of thing. So uh, they are all definitely getting some attention that changes their stats in a way that that all, brings all of them up, but at the same time differentiates them in, sm- in some small ways too. So uh, if you had mentioned that thing to Selick, I'd be surprised if he could even look at you with a, a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't. I added that question after, but uh, um, I'm excited that I did. I'm glad I did. That's uh, that's that's very exciting that those units will be getting a boost. They're they're delicate and they've gotten a lot of attention in playtesting because mm-hmm. it's so easy for those for that type of unit that if you just tip it a little too much. That it can be way too easy to spam or mm-hmm. really overwhelm and not be fun to play against. Yeah. So that that balance of what they can do and still be effective is is something that we're still tweaking and working on. But I, I think that everything is in a really good spot. Hmm. Also, when we're speaking to Rob, he sort of mentioned that there's a new mysterious, well kept secret themed army that will be appearing in the book. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Can you give any more details than? those words that i've just said (laughs) (laughs) 
the, that one is I, I'm mostly going to leave that one to Rob to announce because uh, okay, that's he's super excited about it. It's still really top secret. Mm. We do know that it's a theme list for an existing army. Mm-hmm. Right. Which doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, that's something to look forward to, I suppose. And um, should most armies be expecting a new unit? I think of it more as tweaks to existing units. And you've already said we're getting formations, one for each faction. Mm. We're getting a bunch of tweaks happening. We're getting a new themed army. Are we getting new units for existing armies as well? There are some new units. Um I, I wouldn't say that everyone should expect a new unit for sure. Mm-hmm. There are some instances where some units got moved to new lists where uh, they weren't taken away from anywhere. Just maybe, you know, in a certain list you had it and you, you wanted something new and different. Uh, an example of that I'll give is uh, in the Sylvankin because it's it's not a new unit to the game, but it's new to them. All the elementals, you know, you find them all over. In, in different lists. You see earth elementals and dwarves and in nature. You see fire and salamanders and in nature. Yep. Water, mm-hmm. you know, all over the place. So the one that didn't have that was air elementals. So it, it kind of made sense to, we've got new air elemental models. Let's give them another army home. So we moved the air elementals into uh, Sylvankin list as something that you can take. So examples like that where it's, it's you know, you're, you're getting a new unit for your army, but it's not necessarily a new unit. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Fair enough. And then there's also instances where there are some units that are established as they are. And maybe, for example, you want to offer a unique upgrade that gives them a different profile, something like the Wiltfather. Uh, there might be some, you know, well-known stuff. The herd has, you know, Minotaur chariots that that replaced a well-loved unit. But mm-hmm. it would be kind of cool if you could just, you know, upgrade the Minotaur chariots to have a different profile and then have a very beloved legendary unit. Cool, some special character kind of things. Right. Uh... Or, no, mm, do I say or not? Because that sounds <laughs> <laughs> pretty cluey into what might be coming back as an upgrade. Something that rhymes with Spinator or something weird like that, maybe. No, more like Slan Feed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because um, that the removal of that unit sort of killed my buzz when I was making an army initially. So it'd be interesting to see if they come back, how they come back. Uh, yeah. Unit Heroes. Are we getting a bunch of them? Because often with the new Clash of Kings is an introduction for new fancy heroes that sort of have a, a, a new rule that kind of mixes up the armies more so, like um, Jarvis, for example. Are we getting in any of them? Yeah, that, that kind of stuff is fun. And and with Halpy's Rift, there was a bunch of new characters that were dropped, but not into every faction. Mm. So we wanted to make sure that all the factions that did not get a character from the fluff book uh, did get something to bring them up in, in, in line competitively, just so that Mantic didn't say, you know, hey, we're only right. caring about these armies. Yeah. So there are definitely some new characters. The ones that, that are in Halpy's Rift are coming over again officially. Uh, I did mention some characters from like League of Infamy, for example. I'm excited because the Twilight Kin Sorceress that's in there is coming into the Twilight Kin list. Right. So certain things that you can do with those characters and bring them in. Uh, that, that create some fun new interactions, new balances for the armies. And they're living legends uh, because they're characters. So they typically have some kind of new cool ability or new way to do what their standard version does. Mm. So all a lot of fun. I think that the uh, the, the Green Lady one is going to be really popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Champion of the Green Lady. That's its name, at least right now. Okay. So certain things. There's just some really cool fun stuff. Ooh, I want to know what it is. Uh, just on like a side tangent there. Just in the rule book, it says like limited units 
is like in sort of like a bracket N. So mm -hmm. for mostly we just see one. So like a hero would have a one or whatever. Why don't we see any with two or three? You, you know, it, it is something that gets talked about quite a bit. And I like the idea. I think that um, it, it really does kind of allow you to make some super units that you can control that can't be spammed mm. if you really want powerful units. But uh, it, the danger in that then is that they, you know, you pretty much you see every list that takes up to the maximum that's listed there. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that can kind of limit build variety and limit, you know, play style. So every time you play against, you know, Varinger, you don't want the two living legend fallen units that are amazing you know mm. that could get kind of boring and i think that's the fear that's probably the biggest reason why we don't see it quite as much that could be something though that we really look at implementing in version four way down the road whenever that happens okay yeah yeah i, I said, would say as most useful in the instance of like certain units that aren't so much overpowered like really powerful but it's a bit toxic to have a squillion of them like something like yeah you know limit to to like a like a cannon or a or some or some sort of shooting unit like that, where if you have two, it doesn't you know it's no big deal. But if you have like ten, it's it's really skewed, oppressive to play against kind of feel. Um, but sure. there are other controls of that nature anyway, or based on how many you know of of one specific unit you can take per thousand points and that kind of thing. So I wouldn't really think it's needed. But yeah. I guess like the unit doesn't have to be super powerful. It could also be there for law reasons as well, fluff reasons. Like True. you don't see this many of this fairly average unit because the army just can't recruit that many. It's just I don't see it at all in any of the, the lists. So just curious. That's all. Just going through the rule. Open design space. Um but mm. uh what we do see in most of the books is uh, these days, more so than ever, is a fair bit of story. We saw a lot of it in Halpy's Rift, um, and mm -hmm. you guys have been building on that in Panathor for you know ever since the start of the game, I suppose. But in particular, it's been noticeable in this edition of the game. Uh, would we expect to see that continue in Clash of Kings as well? Is there much of a fluff section, or is it all about the the rule changes? It, it originally was quite a bit of campaign material and fluff and background and, and i think that uh it, it's probably my fault but I, I i pushed more for it to be the competitive book that that people were going to be able to dive into and get you know we haven't had tournaments and that kind of thing we had a fluff book mm. and uh we kind of needed to see more of the competitive edge brought in so we did push a little bit of the competitive stuff out there are going to be some narrative scenarios that are in there uh there is basically a clash between the halflings and the new mystery uh army that's in the book so those sort of things are going to be involved and brought in. It's it's a situation where I think that most of the lore right now, if you've seen the huge drive from Brandon and Mark at Winged Hussar, uh, there is a great Facebook group if you're not a part of it. It's uh, Panthor Lore and Kings of War Wiki group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the the guy is, is just really cranking out the background and lore, and it, it's amazing the kind of stuff that they're putting out. Uh, they're working with you know, passionate uh, amateur novelists uh, that are players or people. We, we we saw Ben Stoddard, who got his first book out, and I thought that was a fantastic book, Drowned Secrets. And there are a ton of things that are that are building out, building out the background and lore. So, uh, C.O. Warner is doing the Rise of Celestians. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be this huge, like movie level epic kind of novel that is the background of Kings of War and establish how all the races came into play. Awesome. Tons of things that are coming. There's there's uh, a novel, Broken Alliance, which is the halfling army, I think, and then League and how how they split apart. Right. 
Yep. Tons of things that are, that are coming. So uh, fluff and background is really going to be geared in the Winkasar novels for sure. Uh, the, this book is really mainly just the, you know, rules and stats. Okay. That's cool though. Like sounds like Clash of Kings has got its focus in that space and you've got all these other spaces to focus more on the, the fluff side of things. And it yeah, also I mean, means that when we see that book on the shelf or uh, more likely in COVID buy it somewhere offline at some, uh, you know, lovely local online game store or whatever it might be. But when we get that juicy guy in our hands, we're going to know it's just chock full of awesome updates for our uh, armies. And that excites me more, to be honest. But, you know, the fluff's good too, but it has its place, you know. Like I said, you know, the the, the units that are in there uh, that have different special abilities and the formations that we used are all fluff driven. So uh, it'll at least key you in on the fluff of those units, even if there isn't, you know, if there's only a couple of lines of flavor text, it might give you an idea. But then, you know, if you see how the unit plays on the battlefield, it'll give you an idea of what they're all about, too. So there is fluff in there, even right. if it's just in the form of rules. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so we'll go and offer a little bit of a tangent here. Let's change gear slightly. If you could have any new unit or change to any existing unit, what would it be? So a bit of an open-ended question there. So personally, what would you like? Kyle's wish list. So you can you can take a second while we answer the question as well if you if you'd like, if you want to have a quick think unless you've got one in the holster. Oh, it's it's just hard for me because <laughs> if I have a wish list, I literally propose it. And then if it works, <laughs> we put it in the game. So. That's so unfair. You get everything yeah. on the wish well, list already. Okay, that makes it easy. Is there one that you know that's not going to be put into the book that you really want? Ooh. Yeah, I, there was something that I wanted um, for Twilight Ken that could have been applied to a number of different armies. And and Matt James had actually worked up rules for it, and, and we'd thought about it, but it ended up not being a thing. Mm. But we liked the idea of summoning units as as a sort of attack, not necessarily like a deep strike facing your rear, yeah, you know, yep. kind of thing that you would see in 40k, but just summoning units in, in a way that could be fun and beneficial. Because the game's all about positioning and where you can mm. put stuff, so wouldn't it be cool to be able to summon a unit and, and use positioning to your advantage, but without it being broken? So we, we, we played with some, with some ideas there. I thought that, uh, you know, Reapers aren't something that's in the Twilight Kin list, but it's in the Armada background. They even have uh, a rule in Armada where they summon Reapers onto an enemy ship that's nearby. So it's all a part of what they do in the fluff. And obviously with, you know, Abyssals and certain things that you could do a lot with those uh, sort of approaches, undead units could raise stuff up. Ratkin could have, you know, burrowing tunnels and things that could happen. So mm. there's a lot of potential, especially with the different types of armies to do it. But uh, it didn't, it doesn't really make sense in the space of the game just because it could change things up so much that maybe it's not uh, a place in a Clash of Kings book, you know? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. a really cool idea. And I can definitely see from like, I'm thinking uh, Warhammer 2, the video game where you summon up units and stuff like that. And they like, disappear after a little while that kind of gear like it's got some some nice imagery there for sure but uh yeah i think it'd be very challenging to balance and in fact some other games have struggled to balance that that i can think of uh, malifo springs to mind they've struggled with that yeah. ever since they started summoning yep. back at the start <laughs> uh yeah like uh it's an interesting one but yeah very difficult. did you have a unit Hugh? That you- did i have a unit yeah well I mean, my my biggest list, of course, always Ratkin related, and I of I, I, I badly want the Scarriers and the Nightmares both to get a little bit of love, and I wouldn't be surprised if either or both of those guys got some juice in uh, 
Clash of Kings. I won't make you answer. Well, it'll make you really upset if they didn't. Well, the two that really need it. Yeah, they do. They do really need. It. I feel like, other than that, the list is basically perfect. So, I would, <laughs> I would just take a uh, a fluff go. I'd really like to see a Master Scurrier special character. So, like a real sneaky, sneaky dude. That Super is sneaky. just he just mm. does something weird and interesting. I don't really need him to be like the ultimate assassin or something but he just just some some sort of sneaky little like uh ratkin like you know chittery plan would be great to have on a on a mm. scouting character that just does something a little wacky i think that would be fun <laughs> uh pre-order should start in october <laughs> excellent <laughs> see for me i'd like because we were talking about arales what if the goblins made like great flying more beasts so these really rabid dogs with wings i think that'd be pretty fun <laughs> yeah you don't really have a flyer other than the um wingets yeah yeah well, the wingets are pretty they're, they're an awesome model and they're an awesome idea and they're really annoying to play against so i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them <laughs> but but yeah you don't have like a aggressive flyer at all do you that'd be no no dragons or anything like that i mean it, oh, i'm not asking for a dragon it's something that's a bit rabid punches a bit more than a winget which does nothing in combat Hmm. Carl, is there anything else in particular that you're excited about for Clash of Kings 2022, which you haven't yet talked about, but you're keen to let our listeners know about? Really, we, we've covered most of everything. Cool. I, I think that there's a tremendous excitement around the book because everybody's going to have something to look forward to. You know, hmm. most of the things that you mentioned, you know, for Ratkin, for various armies that people, the scouting units, that kind of thing, things that people know are a bit under the curve are, are the things that we're looking at and things that we're trying to bring up. And, and when you have that kind of a positive impact, uh, when you know that you can get that book and, and only see good stuff that's going to be in there, I, I mean, that's that makes it an easy thing to be excited about. There's not a whole lot of room to be disappointed by things when when everything is just going to get some fun stuff so lots of new combinations lots of new you know unit tweaks and and the entire game and meta is probably going to shift around the amount of changes i think that the thing that people may not realize is just how big this book is going to be and how how much new content is being added to it I, some of the playtesters have even equated it to more of a 3.5 than right uh you know just a regular clash of Kings. so it, it's a big book with lots of stuff and and the game is going to be shaken up quite a bit from it hmm. wow i believe it i mean if you talk about you've said we're going to get some special characters uh, not one for every army or anything like that but some we're going to get some new units we're going to get a formation for every army we're going to get tweaks and upgrades to all these units that you know, we're a bit behind the curve before. We're getting spells. We're getting spellcaster tiers coming in. We're getting magic items. Army list. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a hell of a lot to sink your teeth into, mm-hmm. honestly. And my hope for it more even than it just making Kings of War, you know, uh, fresher again and ready ready to rumble again. But um, especially as some countries, and I fully respect that there are countries out there in the world who are far far from getting over this Mm. pandemic crisis but hopefully some countries and you know in future more and more of the world as we start to come out of this and we're in a spot where we can put miniatures back on the table this might help to clash of kings 2022 so we're talking november roughly hopefully that will help us to get that tournament scene revitalized again because you know you want to go back and play more because you've got all these new fun toys to try mm. yeah it, it's such a 
it's such a delicate thing because, you know, a month ago, less than a month ago, we had masters and cases in the U S were at a lower, lower point than they've been at any point in time. And now, you know, start of August, we've got cases are completely skyrocketing and things are, are Mm. definitely getting a little scary again because they're, they're back at a level where they were higher than they were last August at this time. So it's just, it's kind of crazy how quickly it can swing from feeling like, Oh, we're out of this and it's done to, uh, we need to be careful. Like I'm supposed to be going to the yeah. beach tomorrow and I don't know if I want to go to the beach tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I respect that completely. And it, it does, um, it is easy to get that kind of we're out of the woods mentality, which can be a little bit dangerous, but at the same time it can be depressing to wallow in the idea that, you know, it's never going to end or anything either. So you got to strike a balance and everybody has their different balances that they've got to reach on their own but uh certainly as far as just focusing purely on kings of war tournament events around these parts and i'm sure the case for most of the world they've been sort of cancelled or delayed left right and center for one lockdown or the other or whatever else so when we start seeing those a bit more persistent whenever that is clash of kings 2022 is going to be a good opportunity for us to you know get in the mindset of well if we're allowed to do it and if it's safe to do it you know let's paint up some new units while we've got the time and Get them on the table. Let's get all those scurriers painted and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so any other questions you had for us at all, Matt? Or? We've asked you a whole bunch. Do you have any for us? Probably not, but we thought we might ask and be polite. <laughs> no, you, you guys are absolutely one of my favorite podcasts out there. I really enjoy what you do. Oh, thanks. I, I loved the... Uh, the arena combat series that you did that was a lot of fun that got me through quite a bit of painting so uh yeah thanks we weren't sure how it was going to be received because when we were recording we felt like absolute twats (laughs) i can see that (laughs) commenting on nothing it's um i'm glad that that you enjoyed it yeah you're gonna have some new characters to test out and throw into the arena yes yeah we've got another (laughs) arena ready to go next year i think I think you should do one with the uh, Living Legends this time. Mm. Oh, yep. there's an idea. A Living Legend uh, Spectacular. Yeah, well, yeah. You, need, you need to convince Benson to put his editing magic into it because that's really what yeah. spices it up. Because believe me, if you <laughs> listen to that done. unedited, it would be so <laughs> cringy. You just couldn't hack it. Oh, we, were, we were all struggling on the mic. So, hey, maybe we'll, uh, we'll throw in another round. Why not? Yeah. If, if people want to listen to it, I'll put the effort in. All right, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Kyle, for uh, waking up early and uh, getting on the mic to talk to us. Yeah, it's good stuff. I can finish my coffee now. And spilling some beans as well. (laughs) Some beans are on the floor. Awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate it, man. We really appreciate it. And we uh, look forward to talking to you again at some point in the future and, yeah, hopefully Mm. uh, smashing out some Clash of Kings. Yeah, it'll be good times. All right, so we'll just go to another break. And when we come back, we'll wrap this episode up. Thanks, everybody. And there we have it. That's our interview with Kyle. So what did you think about all those changes that we went over? I'm pretty excited, honestly. Like, um, genuinely leading up to this interview, I hadn't played... Well, I've been playing some casual games, actually, but I haven't played in a tournament for quite a while. Mm. And so my um, Kings of War sort of competitive tournament buzz, if you will, was definitely ebbing. Uh, and, you know, a lot of events have yep. been cancelled and that kind of thing. But yep. then talking to Kyle about some of the 
competitive changes, the, you know, unit buffs, the, the new gear that's coming out mm-hmm. has definitely got me, you know, got, got my jimmies rustled. I'm ready to, to, to slap some of these new things on the table. It's a shame we have to wait all the way till November, but sure. I know. <laughs> yeah. And just as he was saying things like I felt the cogs turning, like even just with that, that item that increases height thing and, ooh, how can I make the most use out of that, like put it on a, a large infantry hero maybe. Yeah. Something that's just one and it counts as two. Yeah. Yeah. And a few of the things that I was asking, like like my wish listing changes for, he didn't give us, you know, precise details, but it sounded a lot like I was pretty much going to get him. So, so that's, that's that <laughs> amped me up for sure. I'm looking forward to that a lot. I know. I mean, I hope we don't get him in trouble. Like if he <laughs> said something he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> but it good. certainly sounds like there's going to be some great changes yeah absolutely so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the interview uh t- let us know what you think about the format give us some feedback if mm-hmm. you'd like about um or you know shout outs to rob or to kyle uh any questions you'd like us to ask them in future because we can always get them on again another time they're they're very chill mm-hmm. guys they're happy to chat with us yeah. yeah we always love feedback we don't get enough of it that's right when we do get feedback we really appreciate it we love it when you guys write into us uh, specifically be it via email or facebook or what have you any way mm. you like and um, you want to let us know what you thought or share some of your excitement about clash of kings or about the new campaign coming up or anything like that then please mm-hmm. let us know yep excellent all right we'll leave it there thanks everyone for listening and we'll speak to you soon see ya Thank you for tuning in with my team Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter Yes indeed, more than a game It's a lifestyle, yes sir Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work <laughs> We give the people what they desire Australian war gaming podcast Direct misfire You don't want to miss a thing Yeah, we got plenty more If you're ready, let's go Stay tuned, that's for sure Hey. We, we really do just talk crap